the Bad Pod, a Batman Miniatures Game Podcast. Episode 0, Bad Pod Begins. And welcome to this, the inaugural episode of the Butt Pod, the Batman Miniatures Game podcast. I'm Mark, and I got the idea for doing this because I like Batman Miniatures Game and I like talking. Two things that might as well go together. This podcast plans to be for older players, the ones who've been around for a while, like myself, who remember it back when it was in a PDF form and really badly translated Spanish, but we loved it anyway. And those new players who come in with a shiny new Suicide Squad box with named characters and Jared Leto and panda men and stuff like that. It's Night Model's fifth year, so I plan on making this an interesting one. Not just going to go with the usual stuff, reviewing things and whatnot. We're going to go reach out to some people, like the guy behind the Arkham City Limits Facebook page. Tournament organizers, tournament winners. There's a guy out there who's making a fan supplement. I'm going to get hold of a sidekick and see what their life is like. TT Combat Sculptor. And then, at the end of the year, come back with a few people and see how their night models has done on this, their fifth year. You never know, maybe we even get KM in here. That's night models, for those who don't know. And they can tell us a few things about what's going on and open up some communication. And, of course, like I say, we'll get around to reviewing some stuff. At which point, cue the bumper. Okay, in this section, I want to talk a bit about the game itself. It's nuts and bolts. This is mostly for the people who have been looking at the Batman game in the shops and thinking, that looks nice, or just having been handed this podcast, hopefully for a recommendation of somebody else and gone, this is interesting, but I have no idea what you're talking about. So for those of you who actually know what I'm talking about, skip to the next section. Grab a drink, something. I'll, I'll be there in a few minutes. Just, just hold on. All right. Gone? Good? Awesome. Let's go. So here are the core concepts of the Batman game. First of all, it's played in Gotham. Gotham is really dark. The board game is set at night. Unless you have artificial means to see anything, night vision goggles, lamp posts on the board, Batman's total vision, that kind of thing, you're restricted to a 30 centimeter range, which isn't much. The basic movement for any given model is 10 centimeters. A short ranged gun, 20 centimeters. Makes it interesting because not only do you have to get past scenery to see something, You also have to have a light source or be close enough to see them. It actually reminds me a lot of the old Cyberpunk 2020 RPG, which apparently was based on FBI reports of how people would actually have gunfights, which apparently is two guys who don't know what they're doing in an alley when it's dark and raining and they probably miss each other a lot. It has that feel of guys with a bunch of brick bats and baseball bats or knives or whatever getting together in an alleyway to beat the snot out of each other. The other core concept to understand is alternate activations. Like a lot of modern war games, Batman game uses alternate activation. I go, you go, and just keep going through models till the end. However, there's a special rule called let's go, which means that if a character spends a token and passes a roll, they can immediately activate another henchman. This is great for forward planning if you want to mob somebody, especially when you take into the rules like being able to hold somebody down so someone else can kick them. The other big thing to understand is that 
you have a full-on economy of action. Unlike a lot of games where you have a fixed amount of move and you have a fixed attack and you get one attack a turn and all that kind of thing. Or even War Machine, where you have a semi-flexible economy in terms of focus and uh, rage. What you have is a full-on action economy. Every model gets a set amount of willpower points, generally about four for a MOOC, anything up to eight or nine for a high-level character, and you put those into their different traits. Movement, attack, defense, special actions. And these allow you to change your focus, which means you're not just thinking about when am I going to get to go in the activation order, you're thinking, what am I going to do? Should I put everything into defense? Should I be putting something else into attack? Should I have some movement counters in case things get real and I have to run away? That kind of thing. It adds another dimension to it all. It also has a great effect of bringing the game down to the individual characters. You're never going to have that many. A 350-point game, I generally use less than 10 characters, which means you're always focused on the individual. And the side effect of that is you tend to care, especially when they get the snot beaten out of them, they're lying KO'd on the ground, and somebody else comes and kicks them to death. It just makes you sad, just thinking about it. But not that sad. Anyway... What you have next, I'm going to talk about combat. So, the other thing I like about the Batman game is that combat has a toing and throwing to it. So, unlike a lot of games where close combat is, I roll to hit, I roll to wound, you stand there and mentally try and make the dice fall to ones. What actually happens is, somebody rolls to hit. They pick up the attack dice they want to use and distribute them between anyone who's a valid target, usually base to base. Then, oh, this includes shooting, they can split it between anyone who's in line of sight. Then, they roll to hit which is against the target's defense rating. Okay, any successes go through. But your opponent at this point can call blocking. They take the tokens in the defense, take that many dice, roll. Their target number is the attacker's value, literally the attack value. Any dice that succeed block off any successful hits, reducing the amount of damage dice that are getting rolled against you. And then when you roll for damage, you also add a collateral damage die. This one's fun. If the collateral damage die matches any of the other dice you've got going, even if that fails, you get a knockdown result, which means the enemy has to pick themselves up. Anyone who's knocked down is a lot easier to kick while they're down as well. And that is very useful. Plus, if you get a six and actually deal some damage, you've got a crit effect going. The core effect is knockdown and an extra stun damage, but special weapons have different results. If you get the taser cop, he will stun you. You can't do anything for the round except, you know, twitch and maybe urinate on yourself. If you get Rachel Ghoul, Liam Neeson's sword, that's an auto kill. It makes things very interesting. You're not that likely to get them off. You still need to roll a six on the collateral die, and you still need to wound. But when it does, it makes a difference without being overwhelming, like I find Infinity's criticals to be. Shooting's kind of the same, except you pick a point on your model and put a tunnel out to the entirety of the model's volume, basically the space it occupies, right around the base and up. This is fun because if there's anything in the way, every single thing in the way gets what's called a ping roll. The bullet can basically embed itself in a wall or a lamppost rather than the person you're trying to mow down. Again, it's just one of those things that works pretty simply and adds to the cinematic nature of it. In the first game, when I saw a cop get mown down straight out, everybody else spread out between the cars in the car park and moved between them, trying to keep down. The Batmobile ended up just riddled in bullets that game. I dread to think how much that cost taking it to the shop. It really makes the game seem cinematic. I can't overemphasize this enough. Being able to push somebody off a building, 
being able to grab somebody and hold them down for something else. And in uh, Poison Ivy's case, that means grabbing them, holding them, giving them that poison kiss. It all just adds to it, especially with the very flavorful abilities. You're going to hear those words flavorful and cinematic quite a lot. It's what this game revolves around. It's not just, I move my models over here, I'm going to shoot over there, that cover gives you a four plus, no, 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 no. Batman turns up at the top of the building, he runs to the edge of the building, he jumps off. He lands using his back cape right behind the mook. The mook never saw it coming. He doesn't get his defense dice because sneak attack. Batman beats the snot out of them. And hopefully another cop comes up and arrests the guy. Or Batman's fighting on top of a bus. It's just amazing. He punches the guy in one go with a crit grapple away. He just arrests the guy. Threat gone. Now he's just facing a guy with a knife on top of a bus. Or Catwoman running off the bridge. Killer Croc comes up to her, gives her a good kicking. She jumps off the bridge, over to the roof of the bus stop, and then in the next turn, runs as fast as she can, runs off the rooftop, lands on the side of the building, uses the climbing claws up to the top of the building, and is well away, just leaving Killer Croc staring and looking very angry. That's what this game is like. Building a narrative and having lots of cinematic moments to take home with you. Okay, so that sounds rather good. Where do you start? Well, you start with a crew. Every crew needs a leader, Maybe a sidekick, and a bunch of hench people. And some free agents if you've got the dosh. Now, models are rated in two ways. You've got reputation, which is your basic how many points they cost to include them. And you've got cash. Because here's the thing. Sometimes average models have really good equipment. And by taking an average model, giving it an average points cost, but then charging you a lot for their spiffy assault rifle, you're actually balancing the cost of a model and its value in the game pretty well, rather than just trying to slap a single number on it that doesn't catch everything about them. Mediocre stats but nice equipment is different to, you know, an expensive model because although it's mediocre, it has a nice bit of equipment. Anyway, leaders, sidekicks, if you can afford them. Leaders give you special abilities. Sidekicks give you special abilities. Henchmen are there to fill out the ranks. You also get free agents, which are the people who will work with anyone, say, the kind of characters who are generally unaffiliated, even if they did later get their own crews. So we're talking Catwoman, Arkham City Freeze, that kind of thing. In a normal game of, say, well, 150 points minimum is what you need. That will get you some models and $500, which can't just be spent on people. You can also drop it on equipment lists for your crew and one free agent for every 150 points going. Bearing in mind that a full tournament game, 350 points, 1500 money, and that gets you free free agents. Free agents are good because they introduce flexibility into your crew. They can either enhance what you're doing, say throwing in Killer Croc with Bane to give you a 1-2 punch, or maybe going the other way and throwing in Copperhead, giving you some mobility, wall climbing, something like that, something that you don't already have. Crews also tend to have multiples of characters, some because that just means the henchmen are generic and you can take up to three of them. But often that also means the leaders will change. Uh, the most notable ones, of course, being Batman and Joker, who have lots of different variants. But again, it changes the tactical focus. Do you take the Batman who's stealth-oriented? Do you take the Batman who's just basically a tank? Do you take the Batman who can arrest people, but is a bit weaker, but also faster, also very useful? And it's the same with Joker. You can take the Titan Joker, you can take Heath Ledger, all of whom have rules that match their flavor, and give you a different direction for your crew to go. It means you can swap out and change your crew fairly easily just by moving out a couple of models. 
it's really good in terms of flexibility. It's also nice that certain models have different loyalties. For example, the Bane Origins crew, well, they're mercs. You've seen the game. They're South American mercs. But the Corbox also has loyalty to the League of Shadows, which means you can buy a Bane crew, start out, keep going that way, then pick up, say, Talia al Ghul, Scarecrow, Dark Knight Bane, add a few South American mercs to them, Maybe add a few Blackgate prisoners, because Blackgate will work for anyone. Except, of course, the good guys. Boom. You've got a different crew. Let's take uh, the law forces. Commissioner Loeb. He's corrupt. Brilliant. Means you can either run a police crew or an organized crime crew. You know, move out void like mask. We've got cops coming into town. And they want their protection money. It's very good in that it encourages a lot of collecting. You'll find that even, right, you won't really have to be pushed to try and get stuff. Instead, you'll go, ooh, well, this will give me these options. This will give me these options. And you'll end up expanding just naturally, especially with the crew builders allowing you to see all the character stats anyway and try out different permutations before you order them. There aren't really any Death Star units. Most models have their place. And a lot of them means you can run something fluffy. Uh, Commissioner Gordon and Batgirl. It'll still work. I still mean to have the Dark Knight Bane versus Dark Knight Batman grudge match. That should be something fun. Although, I should probably address this, because every time it comes up, somebody goes, oh, but it looks really expensive. Sometimes for bonus irony points, they're holding a Games Workshop bag. Yes, the blister packs are kind of expensive. They're about 13 quid UK for one model, or two MOOCs. Starter boxes are 30 quid or less, and you only get four models. But, like I keep saying, you get 35mm, nicely done, licensed models. And if you get four in a first starter box, you're only going to have about eight in a decent sized crew, so it's really not that bad. It can look quite intimidating price-wise from the start, but what you'll find is there's a low ceiling on this kind of thing. When you collect, it's going to be as much for the painting and the joy of having the options, rather than you must have so many squads of these things in order to have a viable force. You can have a viable force pretty much from the start. And like I say, it is kind of a boutique game. The models can be finicky. They're gorgeous, but the pegs never seem to fit for me. It is still worth going for. It is a great little game. It's something even the kids can understand and play. It's not X-Wing simple. It doesn't come with loads of tokens and stuff, but it is a hell of an experience. Like I say, when you play it, you're going to see it all happening out in your imagination. And that makes it one of my favorite games so far. Okay, so that's a review of the game in general. Hopefully that gave you some idea of what you're looking at and what you want to do. So, meeting up with the other guys. Hi guys. Uh, let's move on to the next section where I want to talk a bit about scenery, especially beginner's scenery. When I got into this, I started using a lot of papercraft stuff, which was really good because a lot of wargame scenery, at least until the stuff came out for Batman, tend to look a lot like a Stalingrad or, again, have lots of skulls on it. So I'm going to talk about that next. Cute bumper. Okay, so in a Batman game, you want really uh, something that doesn't just like, like I say, Stalingrad or something like that. You want something that looks like a proper urban environment. Uh, what I found when I'm trying to put together scenes is I'll take ideas from open world games. Uh, Sleeping Dogs, Saints Row, GTA, that kind of thing. They help give you an idea of what's interesting, uh, but also gives you a sense of place, because that's what these games try to do. And when it comes down to starter scenery, what I found was really good was getting paper craft. It's really easy to put together. All you got to do is print, cut, glue, you're done. It's nice and light. You can take it around to your mates. And it looks really appropriate. And it's dead cheap, which is, you know, 
kind of the primary thing I was going for at the time, and still am. So let's start with some basics. Uh, the best resource I found for papercraft was Tommy Gun, who's a guy on the Warsier forums who's put out a lot of stuff in his time, and it's really good stuff. I'm going to put a link to that in the blog. And that will end up on the Facebook page, which is the Bat Pod, obviously, or at BMG Podcast, which is another way to find it. Now, the important thing to understand here is that when you print that stuff off, and you'll probably want to go to a printer to do it, because you're, you know, or a very understanding employer, because we're talking about something you'll need to print off on A3 sheets in color. You want to zoom it up by 33%. That'll take you out the 25 millimeter scale and hit up the. T- 35 millimeter scale. Otherwise, it's going to look really silly with Batman wandering around. We have a doors half his size and stuff like that. It looks like Alice in Wonderland kind of weirdness. Which is fine if you're going to go with the Wonderland crew, but by and large, you're going to want to enhance your buildings so they're a proper scale and your models don't look like giants in a playground. The other thing I also found worked really well when I was starting out was papercraft containers. Because obviously, you know, Shipping containers look the same pretty much the world over, and you can make a nice board, interestingly shaped, with you know lots of up and down, 3D, stepped, all that kind of stuff, just from having a whole bunch of oblong shapes to work with. It's like building a board out of Lego. It works really well, and it's very simple, and you can knock a whole bunch of these things out pretty simply. Again, I'll put out a link, but you're basically going to be Googling for papercraft containers. Oh, and also what I found really useful is to get the foam from outside of your boxes and put those inside the containers because otherwise they have a tendency to dip. Also putting gluing tuppenny pieces on the underside just to give it an up and down well, it gives it a bit of weight. Another good couple of things to do are if you want to add any scenery you want O gauge train stuff. These are basically roughly the 35 millimeter scale but it's railway things. You can buy these trees generally in a bag for like 20 quid you'll get a whole bunch of them it works really well all you're going to have to do is glue them down to a large coin or some card or something just to make sure they stand up another source of scenery in the batman game is toy cars uh, you go look in the works, you go look in Wilkinson's, Asda. You're looking for 1 to 43 scale vehicles, and you can normally get those at a few quid each. I recently found a whole load in Wilco's, and uh, the works had a nice sale where I was getting them for £2 each. Brilliant. Really nice little models, just the perfect scale. Um, but generally, if you try the bigger shops, you'll pay more for it, but you can get things like buses, construction vehicles, all that kind of stuff, and it all adds up. It all looks really cool. Now, the other half of the reason I'm telling you all this is, A, I want you to have a nice board, but in the main podcast, I'm going to be covering a section that, until I think of a better name, is going to be called Board Stupid, where I actually take an idea of a single board, say, oh, I don't know, the Batcave, or Poison Ivy was here, or something like that, and try and figure out creative ways of doing that on the cheap. I'm going to start off with looking at, I think, a generic uh, urban board. So if you want to chip in on that, go to the Facebook page, talk about it on the uh, actual post and replies. I'll try and keep up with that. But if you've got any ideas of how you'd want an urban scenery area to look like, get in touch. I'll also be talking about actual third-party companies in the next podcast as well. There's a whole load of them. Some are really good. You've got different kinds where they do interiors and whatnot. I'll be you know, reviewing and talking about those later. And, of course, the cheap the ways of getting around all of this because, you know, what's the point if you can't be creative? Anyway, to sum up, 
what you want to do with the Batman board is you want a lot of scenery to break up line of sight because that makes it interesting. If you're doing a starter board, I'm going to suggest hitting up Papercraft, like say buildings from Tommy Gun, and certainly for my first board, I'd go with Papercraft containers because it's very easy to make different combinations of scenery, different heights, different shapes, and all the rest of it just using a lot of Papercraft containers. And with that, cut to the next section. Okay, we're nearly done here. I want to talk about having a community question, actually. I like to hear things about what's going on across the world, how other people do stuff. You're going to see that in a lot of my other pieces when I talk to other people and all the rest of it. For anyone who's listening and can be bothered to message in, I'm going to ask you this question. What's made the Batman miniatures game for you? What crystallized that moment when you went, yep, I'm going to spend a lot of money on this? For me, it's because I was a fan of the Arkham games. And the moment that really crystallized it, really meant that I knew I was going to be spending money here, was having Batman on the roof of a building. He ran over the roof. He dropped down using his Batcave. He landed behind the Mook and attacked him using his stealth attacks. The guy didn't get any uh, defense dice. Beat the Mook into the ground. When you can pull something out of the game just that perfectly, just summing it all up, you know you're onto a winner. So, message in. Because I want to hear what did it for you. Like I say, go to the Facebook page. I'm going to say it again. It's at BMG Podcast or just Google for the bad pod. There's also the WordPress, uh, which is going to be a blog for it, where I'm going to stick the show notes and stuff up. That'll be linked to from the Facebook page. And uh, yeah, I want to hear your thing. So tell me. Okay, so that's the end of that. And we're coming to the end of all of this. Well, that was fun, wasn't it, Just I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. So let's start. We're looking across the earth. Like I say, I want to talk about Night Models, its place in the gaming market, what it's got coming up in the future. I'm going to reach out with uh, people who've already volunteered to talk about the games, the models, sort out, you know, tactical uses, give advice for the new people, but also something that'll help those who've been playing it for a while. Just put more ideas out there, give you new perspectives to see it from. Get down to the individuals and the personal stories as well. It's always interesting to hear how people do stuff what the local matter is like across the world. And with that, we're going to move off. The music for this podcast came from Key Theory. That's K-I Theory. Thanks to them. And you can go to their website, download the music and hear it. You already know you like it if you've seen the uh, Ghost in the Shell trailer. They provided the cover song for that. So if you like this podcast, don't like it, reach out and messages on the Facebook page. Until then, watch out for my signal.